and welcome to a very special edition of Morton's Law. I'm your host, Christopher Morton. Now, for those who were able to listen to the very first show, um, I discussed that I used to co-host a college radio show. And that college radio show took place every Saturday at Kingsborough Community College in Brooklyn, New York, 90.9 FM. We did a wrestling show, and it was an amazing experience for all of us. And for this show that you're about to hear right now, I'm bringing back the band. And we're going to do this show, and I want everyone to stay tuned because the next thing you're going to hear are the voices of the people who did this show and how the show opened. So stay tuned because it's coming up right now. That is the one, the only, woo, the peeps nature up in this house. And on the other side, I am Mr. 411 back, and here we are together again. It's been a long time. Yes. Makes you feel 20 real, years? Really makes you feel really old. <laughs> I'm still. I am still the triple C. I don't know what you bought you guys. Of course. <laughs> I understand. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'll just say this. I'm thrilled that we got the band back together. I don't care how long it's been. We're here. And I want people to hear what we used to do because it meant a lot to all of us. I think it was a huge part of our lives. And I'll never forget that. I cherish it to this day what we had on that show. It was a great show. Um, I have to say uh, for those that are listening, uh, me, Peeps Nage, Mr. 411. Uh, we did a show back in about, like he's like, uh, Mr. 411 said, uh, about 20 years ago at a radio station, WKRB 90.9 FM. And I, you know, I tell you, it was a, it was a great experience. I loved every minute of it. I don't think I would change anything with how everything went down and how uh, we started out a show from just basically a 30 minute segment turned into a full-blown three-hour uh call-in show it was a great experience guys oh yeah it, it's a, and sometimes it went past three hours and sometimes went to four and then went to five and then went to six to the time when we almost took over an entire day there so yeah yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I remember i remember mr 411 would uh He'd be coming from Staten Island, and there were days, there were like those Saturdays that he couldn't make it. And I remember because it was like snowing, it was like the weather was bad, and he would be pissed, like, like <laughs> cursing on the phone. But of course, we couldn't curse on the air, but he'd be so bad and cursing on the phone, like, I can't believe I couldn't make it. I'd love to make it. I'm like, look, you're on the air. Who cares? You're on. You're not live in person, but who cares? You're on. Exactly. Uh, I, I can actually speak on that. There was one specific instance in which I did make it in. If you remember, 
where it was probably at least a foot of snow on the ground in Brooklyn. And I came from Staten Island and that B1 bus, I was sitting there. I'll never forget. I waited for for about 45 minutes to an hour. I was, I believed in, this is before the MTA got soft. And now, you know, they don't even run the buses anymore in snowstorms. Right. But that bus came and I remember I finally got to, I remember our show started at three o'clock. I got there at about 4.30 and we still went. And that was the time I think we went to seven or eight because I, I got there so late and I was so that was the thing about that show, if you remember how dedicated we were to being there every Saturday. Oh, yeah. It's one of those things that you we did because of the chemistry that we had. We could play off of each other. We had the actual love of what we were doing. We made sure that everything that we did worked. And the fact that there was such a we strive so much to perfect the show every week and every week we got better and we got better and we got better. And we made sure that if anybody had any ideas, let's go ahead and brainstorm. Let's go ahead and get that wrestling music on. Let's go ahead and get the people in there. Let's start doing uh, fantasy draft wrestling stuff. Let's get some some giveaways. And we made the show into something that everybody could be proud of to the extent that people that called up the show, long time after we left, people were still calling up the radio station wondering when we were coming back on. So we got some kind of, uh, we got a grasp and a love. And I know uh, Triple C will remember this. You remember the time that we went to McDonald's and we went to get your... Uh, trademark Hollywood, Hollywood fries. fries. Yes. And we sat down in the back and got something to eat. And then I guess it was a parent with a kid. And they were talking, oh, we were, we were talking about the show that we did. Oh, you guys do a show and et cetera, et cetera. I said, yes. And the woman said, well, can we get your autograph? So in case you guys make it, you know, we can say that we have your autograph. And we signed the autograph on a napkin for the kid. And I was like, wow. And I remember after all of that, we looked at each other like, yeah, this is crazy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and let me tell you, that was well worth it. Um, yes. I, again, I mean, you know, us three, uh, you know, kind of p- piggyback on what you just said, peeps. Uh, I remember, like I said, uh, when we first started the show, and by the way, uh, doing this segment, which is awesome, I'm glad, you know, Chris decided to, you know, get the band back together for at least yes. one, one night. And I remember... Uh, we used to do a sports show in the beginning for three hours, and that was that was always the staple to do three hours. And I remember Chris was like, um, "Hey, how about you know incorporating wrestling into the show?" And I said to him, "I was like, no, I was like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> no, mind you, we are all big time wrestling fans, just as we are sports fans. But the whole idea was it's a sports show. I did not want to do wrestling and." And he kept pestering me, kept pestering me to the point where I was like, you know what? <laughs> He's not going to give up until he gets what he wants. So I was like, okay, we're going to put 30 minutes into our sports show. We will dedicate that half an hour to wrestling. And I gave in. <laughs> I, I, I gave in. I was like, okay, let, let, let's, let's, let's do this half an hour wrestling segment. And he was like, all right, well, you know, and he, he, he bought in somebody. His name was Ian, Ian Price, God rest his soul. And he, he bought him in, and he was the first person to actually, I believe, do the wrestling news segments or whatever, whatever it was. I, 
Yeah. Um, if I could just jump in, I remember the reason for that was um, he had the first computer out of all of us with internet connection. So he was able to go online and get the news before I gotcha. could do it. Gotcha. And, and then, you know, it went from a half an hour and then all of a sudden we was like, okay, well, let's, let's do the show until four o'clock, you know? So we'll do, you know, we'll do uh, an hour long wrestling show. The hour long wrestling show turned into two hours and three hours. And then all of a sudden, it kind of became as what you guys alluded to before. It kind of became like this, this, this phenomenon that we had, and it was about uh, who knows how many listeners that we had in total. But I can tell you guys that uh, our show really, really was uh, a great show, and it's not. We're not. I'm not just saying that like I'm blowing smoke up our asses, but we was ahead of our time. And sometimes I kind of wish like we were like. Take, take it back 20 years ago now yeah. and we, you know, who knows what, what, you know, what the industry, you know, obviously what the industry has become, but, you know, obviously with the podcast and doing all these different uh, shows, but we, I always felt 20 years ago, we were way ahead of our time, but, you know. Yeah. And I remember the conversation that you, you had because that show, that first wrestling segment that you did was one of the rare times that I wasn't in the studio. And I remember right. you calling me later on that night. And I was like, well, well how did this segment go? It was great. It was perfect. People loved it. And I, and, and I remember, I said, well, you know, if it works, you know, let's go with it. And it worked. Right. And right. I, I came in the next week and I got to experience it firsthand. And as we said before, all three of us are die. When we say diehard wrestling fans, we would go and do the tour and go over to somebody's house and watch the pay-per-view and go in during the Monday night era. And we will go ahead and watch Monday Nitro and we will watch Monday Night Raw. And then we will go and talk about it during the week and then plan what we were going to do for the show. And it, it just grew in that bubble where the wrestling industry was not the way it is today. But back then, the wrestling industry was so mainstream that it just was an explosion of attention that people wanted for the show. And then we were able to play on that and just craft the show and to make it bigger than bigger than it, what it initially was to what it became. And I think we have a lot of fond memories because of that and all of the friendships that we still continue to have to this day. And we still have a love for the business that a lot of people from our era that looked at wrestling have kind of fallen off of. And we're still there with that same innate feeling that wrestling isn't the same, but it's still a great business if we can get it to the way it should be. Right. And I just wanted to talk about, I wanted to piggyback off of that thought and just talk about our history as fans of the business. And I want to go around and just ask everybody and have everyone to share with the audience uh, your favorite wrestler and what actually grabbed you with the business and why you became a fan. And also just talk about your, your show name also, if you can. So Sean, go ahead. What, what, okay. Tell me what you got. Um, I've been, I, I have no qualms in saying I'm in my forties and I've been a wrestling fan since I was four. Favorite wrestler, as you can tell by my name is Ric Flair without question. Now, as a, as most people that know me know I am a diehard of in-ring work, ring psychology, um, obviously flamboyancy and, and storylines actually do help. But I'm one of those, those rare souls that grew up in the Northeast 
And that was where the WWF was king. But I grew up looking at some WWF, but also I gravitated towards Vern Gagne's AWA, which was in Minnesota. But I also got to Crockett. And for anybody in the in the the New York tri-state area remembers back in 84, 85, 86, there was a channel called U68 where they would go ahead and broadcast uh, wrestling shows Monday through Saturday at 7 p.m. And it was the NWA was on uh, Monday. The NWA was on Friday. And you had world-class wrestling. You also had uh, the UWS. You had, I think, there was a California Championship Wrestling. And all of those kind of crafted between that, the wrestling tapes that I would get, the wrestling magazines, watching all of those. And it just crafted that love of the business in ring more so than any other entertainment that I've ever seen. And I still look at it to a degree those days as it being a sport, even though we know we we all know the joke, the in joke here. Kayfabe is dead, but as a wrestling fan, <laughs> you absolutely love the idea that there were wrestling promotions. Every promotion was different, and everybody had their own rankings. We would talk about who was winning this, who was going to go after this person, go to school in, in the lunchroom and talk about the fuse that were going on, the popularity of the phone lines and calling up to try to find out information. That entire world is intriguing. And still to this day, I look at it with the, the, the same love and naivete of a, a four, five, six-year-old getting into the... You can hear it now. I still got the goosebumps coming on my arms talking about that. That's the love that I have for the business. Now, now before I go to Triple C, and he tells us a, a huge lie about who his favorite wrestler is of all time, I'm going to let you know now, his favorite wrestler is from Brooklyn, New York, and his name is Taz, okay? So don't listen to anything. Red Hook Trailer Park trash that's walking God's green earth. Let me tell you something. You know, back then, 20 years ago, uh, for those of you that are listening to us for the first time, I have hated Taz from back then, from the mid-90s, from the ECW days, all the way to his WWF days. I've always hated Taz. I think he's a joke, and I, I know he does good work, but at him, he's still garbage. Why don't you like me, brother? <laughs> wait, are you saying, wait, wait, are you saying you cheered when Scorpio broke his neck? <laughs> now, I do not recall seeing that live. <laughs> uh, notice he went from zero to 60 and then back to zero in literally five seconds. <laughs> Well, let's just tell the story, though. The funny part is that when once you started to I express your hate for Taz, you, you happen to be from Brooklyn yourself. Isn't that true? You moved because just because of Taz? The greatest, let me tell you something. One thing about New York City, about the five boroughs, the greatest borough, by the way. And by the way, Mr. Four One, you got it wrong. I'm from Queens, <laughs> New York. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess he's. I guess he set you in your so, place um, on that one then, huh? So go ahead. T tell us who your favorite wrestler actually is. Funny enough, uh, growing up, uh, 
you know, um, like, 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 like the peeps nature, I'm 43. So for me growing up, uh, you know, in the, into the early eighties, watching this business, uh, my dad, who's, you know, loved wrestling and his guy was Bruno. That was, that was his guy and in, into Bob Backlund and, you know, whatever. But to me growing up, you know, watching wrestling and this is right before, you know, Hulk Hogan came in, came onto the scene and I don't know, for me, it was just like, wow, I'm, I'm watching like guys just body slam and Andre the Giant and the Samoans and, you know, Rocky Johnson and then, and, and, you know, uh, watching a lot of, a lot of wrestlers and, and just watching them and like, man, this is, this is good stuff. Now, for me, for, for, for fans that, you know, into the 2000s, I understand, you know, John Cena being their guy. For me, it was Hulk Hogan. Growing up, that's who I started watching, you know, and that's what that's who captivated me was was Hulk Hogan. Like like Pete Snake, I've watched you know the NWA, obviously with the Horsemen and, and you know Rick Rick Flair, uh, you know the Rock and Roll Express, you know those great tag teams, you know watching the UWF, watching World Class Championship Wrestling, uh, the AWA, you know Glow. I watched it all. And for me, it was Hulk Hogan growing up. Now, as I say Hulk Hogan, now there was a guy who just just captivated me from 1990 and even to this day. And of course, you two guys, obviously on a personal level, you go, you guys already know who I'm talking about. Now, for the people out there listening, that's The Undertaker. Undertaker, obviously, I, you know, for, for me, Mark, you know, back, back in WCW, but when he came to, 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 the, to the WWF, WWE, whatever, uh, Undertaker just, just, just captivated everything. And it was like nothing that I've ever seen before. And he just, like I said, he just took everything. Like my, my childhood hero, you know, when, when, they, when, when he took on Hulk Hogan uh, at Survivor Series in 91, I believe in Joe Louis Arena, I believe it was 91. Yes, 91, yes. Yeah, and that was the first time I ever rooted against Hulk Hogan. And from that point on, I don't think I've, not, I don't think, I know for a fact that I have never, never cheered against my guy, The Undertaker. And he's still going on strong. I mean, you know, 25, 20, you know, 27, 28 years later, He's still going on strong, and and listen, he is still the phenom. He's the American badass, whatever you want to call him, um, future Hall of Famer. Uh, he is the guy for me, and you know, as he's been the guy for me. Uh, obviously, watching watching wrestling from you know uh, back from the eighties all the way you know through through now. Um, yeah, I'm in my forties, but guess what? I still even even a couple of weeks ago. As Taker made his entrance, you know, you know, with Metallica, you know, in the bike, I still got goosebumps because why? I love this business. You know, I've always said like, ah, you know, when Taker leaves, I, you know, I, I leave also. But you know what? It's 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 in my blood. You know, you know, it's funny. I always like, you know, I have two, I have two girls, and I always preach to them. I was like, you know what? You love wrestling, and and they they love wrestling. They 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 that that's their thing also. And I, yes. said to them, I was like, you know what, 
you guys were born into this business, <laughs> you know. And yeah. Listen, I second generation fans. It doesn't matter. You will bleed this business, and it's funny. Even in today's society, you know, you, you know, like for example, like you know, whatever. Even with what's going on in in today's world, and with the with the you know with the whole pandemic and all and everything like that, you know, little aspects of even sayings in wrestling, like I incorporate that into 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 everyday life. When, for example, like if I say a, a quote, "What's best for business?" I mean, obviously, you know, we get that from wrestling. So, like, the, that's just an example. But again, I have loved this business. I will always love this business until the day I die. And that's it for me. So, um, well, for me, my, by the way, my show name was Mr. 411, which is interesting about that is obviously I eventually became the news guy of the show. And I would do, by the way, the research, the amount of research I would do online back then, it's incredible because today it's so much easier to find wrestling news. Back then, I remember being online for two to three, maybe even four hours, yeah. trying to find as much as I can and just hope it was real news because <laughs> fake news didn't exist back then. Yes. But I'm sure it probably did. There just was no trademark so, name was, for it. <laughs> right. So it was that was the hard part is trying to okay, hoping that this is actual real news. Because if you remember our show and how it eventually did go to three hours, there would be times where, and we'll talk about that more later, where if we didn't have callers uh, based on certain circumstances that our show would just be like me reading the news for an hour. <laughs> just, that was not easy to do. So, but that was the effort. And by the way, I wanted to just share something with you guys that my name, Mr. 411, back then 20 years ago, I created an email address, mr411samewkrb at yahoo.com. That email wow, address still exists wow. to this very day. Wow. Yeah, right. And I'll say this, though, I had to create a second one just for personal reasons, just in terms of, you know, trying to get a real job, because I went to a job interview and the guy looked at it and went, what is this? <laughs> I swear the guy looked at me and went, what is this? And I had to explain to him what it was. I was like, this was a wrestling show. Just get it done. Just get it done. <laughs> but I still, I still think to this day, wow. I didn't get the job because of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's yeah. just the way the world is. Hey, politics, right? So um, just about me with, with my, uh, as a fan, early on, I was also a Hulkamaniac, no doubt about it. I was a huge Hulkamaniac fan. Um, and then going forward, though, I started to transition into more of a fan of the British Bulldogs. Like, I love the British Bulldogs. Their work in the ring, the technical aspect, the uh, ability to, I, now today we talk about spots and everything like that. Mm -hmm. They were technical spots. Those two guys did everything so much better than the guys do it today because it looked good, oh, it looked real, it looked legit. It didn't look like like a like a circus like it is today with these guys just flipping and flying all over the place. Um, the Dynamite Kid, still one of the best technical wrestlers of all time. Um, I just I love the Dynamite Kid so much. It broke my heart. Like I'll never forget that memory of mine when I when mm -hmm. Dynamite Kid injured his back legitimately, like to the point where he couldn't walk, and it was a tag match against the Hart Foundation. They Davy Boy carried Dynamite to the ring, and then Davy Boy mm. still defended the titles by himself. Now he would eventually lose the titles in the match against the Hart Foundation. But I'll never forget as a kid, I was probably 11 or 12. I, I, I don't remember if I was crying, but I was devastated that the British Bulldogs lost the tag titles. And of course, I didn't know yeah. back then that Dynamite was legitimately injured. 
I mean, which ended up costing him his career in the long run with all his injuries. Oh, because yeah. he, let's be honest. And a lot of people steroids. don't realize that so, in WrestleMania 2, that was, he wrestled that and he was in that entire tag team match with a torn ACL, which was one of the reasons why he was on the, on the apron so long. So yeah. you don't realize what your favorite wrestler goes through going in, especially when you're as young as that. Right. To see why. Why isn't he in the ring? Why isn't he doing Because we know he was a gymnast. The guy was a gym rat. Just the things that he was able to do. To not be able to see him wrestle, it was sad. Yeah, he was uh, he was ahead of his time for certain. Everyone talks about that. And, uh, I mean, we'll talk about more in terms of, like, people that pattern their career after him. And we can get into that later. But um, then, then going from the Dynamite Kid. Now, I always like to distinguish, by the way, between my favorite wrestler in terms of technical – and then, as we know, the business changed going towards sports entertainment. So my favorite wrestler of all time is Dynamite Kid. My favorite sports entertainer of all time yes. is the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> oh, man. I'm telling you, when I first saw that guy debut in world-class championship wrestling, because I didn't get to see him in UWF as Rock and Blade with, yeah. with the – excuse me, Rock and Sting with the Blade Runners. I didn't see that. But I did see him as the Dingo Warrior in World Class. And I was like, wow, that guy's going to be a star. I knew it. Even as in like an 11-year-old kid, I was like, the Dingo Warrior, that guy looks awesome. He's going to – and the second he popped up in WWF, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like, I, I, you know, because I didn't know where he went because hmm. he disappeared from World Class. And then he showed up. Oh, man. And then my biggest memory for the Warrior – I mean, there's two of them, really. Um, when Honky Tonk Man didn't have an opponent – and all of a sudden, that music hit, and the garden erupted. You guys cannot deny that it's still oh, one yeah. of the greatest pops in the history of wrestling when the Warriors music popped oh, in yeah. SummerSlam 88 against that. the Hunter I remember Tuckman. watching that with my uncle who uh, passed away years ago. We looked at that, and everybody lost their mind. Like, oh, man, he's getting a title shot? And the fact that that match was so quick, I think I sneezed, and the match was over. So, right. you know... Yeah, well, I we, I later learned the reason the match was so quick is because Honky Tonk Man went to Vince. He said, listen, Vince, if we're going to do this match, I'm going to put him over. Uh, the match shouldn't be long. Let's be honest. We got to hide some of the things that he is not good at. So I want to lose fast. And Vince said, OK, that makes sense. So that's why the match was as short as it was. Honky Tonk Man was actually a really good team player in terms of yeah. putting people over when it made sense for the business. He gets a bad rap in the business, but he did the right thing there. And... I'm right here. And um, also, uh, Triple C, are you there? Okay. I just wanted to tell you one thing, by the way. And I <laughs> and, and oh, by the way, I forgot one other part. Is that obviously the second greatest moment uh, was the, oh, the Warrior beating Hogan at Summer, uh, excuse me, at WrestleMania 6 in front of, what, 67,000 fans at Sky Dome. That was just incredible, the way that match was done, the way the finish was done. I love the best part to me of the finish was that when, when the, Hogan went for the leg drop, and the warrior moved out of the way because I don't think no, anyone had ever moved on the leg drop before. Is that the fair to say? Version, I don't ever remember right. anybody moving out. Right. So that happened, and then that was that was an amazing moment. And then, of course, uh, Triple C. I hate to do this, but I got to do it. The third greatest moment, and and I know you try to forget this in the history of wrestling, but uh, the multiple times that the Warrior won those yeah, uh, the uh, body bag that. matches <laughs> against Taker. Yeah, kill me. All those things happening now. Now, to me, I look at it as like if those things happen in house shows or live events now, 
It didn't happen. Did it happen on TV? I do not recall any of that happening on TV. I remember. Well, listen. God rest his soul. Okay, but listen. One of one of my greatest feats was, you know, stuffing Warrior in that casket and letting him for like ten minutes. That was awesome. Ah. <laughs> But oh, by the way, don't, don't forget to use the <laughs> line that oh, my monitor went blank. I didn't see what happened. <laughs> oh, that's the other. That's the other uh, part that is missed about just overall the the part of it that it got me involved in why I did play by play at college and what I wanted to get into what I was doing is listening to wrestlers that turned into great color commentators and and play-by-play guys because that is a forgotten element that is brought into pro wrestling that you don't really necessarily hear about without a lot of scorn because it's become now over-dramatized and over-choreographed and a lot of it sounds hokey and a lot of these announcers are shilling mostly for social media. But growing up, that is that the voice of those not only of just the broadcasters but of ring announcers of the studio guys that did the interviews all of that entire to- the, the totality of the product came together and that brings you in so i get to hear jim ross i get to hear tony Schiavone, i get to hear rick stewart i get to hear bobby heenan and 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 gorilla monsoon and i get to see those guys tell me what is going on, Gordon Soley and 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 Lance Russell and on and on and on. Those are the kinds of things that get me hyped up for a match, especially depending on how important the match was, because that was the job of the broadcaster to tell you why the match is making money and to broadcast the match as if it is a real sport. And that's lost in today's broadcasting now. You know, it's funny, uh, when I, you know, growing up and all those names that you just mentioned, but see, that's interesting too, Sean, because, you know, the one thing I have to say is like, for example, um, you know, when you're talking like, like the big fight feel and, and, mm-hmm. you know, you want like, like the, the announcers to, you know, you already know that it's a, it's a, it's a big fight feel, but you want the announcers to enhance that. And exactly. You know, for example, like Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. Now those two were hilarious but mm. when it came time to call you know the main event i mean there was no funny business it was like they're calling it and you felt what they were calling um whether it was gorilla with jesse or you know uh even ross with lawler you know uh, into the attitude era or you know or shivani even shivani and heenan uh you know you can go back Right. So, so again, um, gro- growing up and, you know, when, when the business was, 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 was hot and don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, today it, it's different. It's just, it's just, everything is different now. And, and obviously things evolve, you know, and, and I get it. And like you said, guys, it's, you know, more transition to sports entertainment Whereas, let's still call it what the hell it really is. It's still professional wrestling, okay? Yes. But again, you know, you got you got you got to say these things because hey, this is this is what it is now. But again, uh, you know, with those guys back then, you know, uh, calling matches and you you know you, and you you're you're so into all these matches and 
whatever that they're saying and and whether it's you know the time for the jokes or the time you know for them to get to be serious they knew how to get you invested along with the product that you're watching it's funny that you say that so i mean if we can go around right now who was your favorite uh team commentating team of all time uh, uh triple c um, I have I have a whole bunch, but if I was if I was to to just choose one, um, and it's just for the only simple fact of my favorite quote in professional wrestling, my all time favorite quote, and that is "Shut up, McMahon." <laughs> I don't need to say anymore. That would be obviously Mr. Man and Jesse the Body. Oh man, yes, that that that's a. Oh man, I did that. I've listened to so many, Pete's but name. I have to say, you it would be kind of like a dream deal because it didn't happen that often. But it would have to be, it would be Jim Ross and Jesse Ventura if they were able to play off the way that they did. Um, but didn't they, but didn't they commentate in WCW? They, 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 they did it in WCW, but it wasn't it as it should have been, I think. Yeah. Because at the tail end, Jesse was there at the tail end before he, he got fired out from WCW. Um, I've heard a lot of stuff between uh, Bob Cottle and, and, and Jim Ross and all those times. I still really enjoy Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross. I think that they played off of each other, especially in the late 80s. Mm -hmm. They played off of each other really well, especially during the early Clash of the Champions. But for for all intents and purposes, if if it was a WrestleMania, it had to be Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura. There was a quality that they would go back and forth with each other, especially during a WrestleMania, that was very hard to touch. And all of the other broadcasters were perfect, but as a team, oh, they were they, there was just a re a realism to them that I really loved about that. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. I mean, it's really hard to pick when I when I when I say that to you guys, like, who's your favorite? And I'm thinking about it here as you guys give your answers. I'm like, I don't know if I have a favorite, mm -hmm. but I'll say this, though. When you talk about just a voice, when you think about just the voice from and not saying this person was good at what they did. I mean, they were OK, but I think one of the best voices on commentary oh, of, of all time oh, of is AWA's Rod Trongard. You remember that, guys? What a voice. And by the way, he later did work yeah. in WWF. He had yes. a cup of coffee before the end of his Rod career. Rod Trongard I mean, I remember him was there. one of those but, broadcasters. Um, what a voice and I know guy. he had crossed over and he also did some Bulls games. He did some some basketball, some baseball. But Rod Trongard for, I think, at least a, almost a 10-year span was one of the single greatest, classiest voices. His diction was perfect. His timing was great. It was yeah. him and Lord James Bleers, or it was him and it was uh, Greg Gagne, or it was him and it might have been Vern Gagne, but it was such a perfect, crisp, almost a statesman's right, right. voice. And especially during title matches, I remember listening to uh, a title match that Hulk Hogan had with Nick Bockwinkle, who I still think is one of the greatest wrestlers that's ever lived. And he called the cadence of the matches perfectly. His excitement was on point. He knew how to draw drama in and out of the match. And I think the best match that I heard Trongard call 
was the Midnight Rockers tag team title match against uh, Buddy Rose and Doug Summers. That bloodbath that they had in Las Vegas, where everybody was bleeding. Which was, by the way, sorry to cut yes, you off, which was actually exactly. televised on Channel ESPN 11 on Saturday morning, if the, you remember. They had the AWA um, contract, and they would show AWA wrestling. And then what they didn't show on ESPN, uh, WPIX in the New York area, Channel 11, would show an hour. And they showed an hour Nate, of that for a long time. Nate, Nate, uh, didn't they? AWA, wasn't that just on Channel 11? I don't, I don't remember it being on ESPN until... When you know, uh, later, later on, yes, they they got the contract. The ESPN got the contract for the AWA, and I believe late or mid to late '85, going into '86, uh, and they were on yes, for right. until right the company that, yeah. went under. And if you were, and a lot of people remember, the ESPN used to show not just the AWA, but they also showed the GWF. They showed world class, so they did tip their their they dip their toe in the pro wrestling world, and it was there for quite a long time. As a matter of fact, that ESPN Classic used to show old AWA shows that they, I guess, they owned the footage to. I don't think they do it anymore because everything is on McMahon's network. But yeah, that was every afternoon after school. I was turning on ESPN and I was looking at wrestling. So. <laughs> I love the world class. World class was so awesome because I'll never forget the first time I saw world class. And I think the first oh image God. I ever saw oh, was yeah. Bruiser Brody against Abdullah Butcher just fighting through the crowd. That was such chaos. I was like, what is this? And here's the interesting thing about that. And earlier you talked about U68 and all the other options that were out there that we didn't know about when we lived in New York until it, the NWA did eventually you know, come on Channel 11. Yes. But for the, all the other uh, promotions that we were exposed to. Remember, if you think about like WWF superstars on Saturday morning, we would most of the time get a bunch of squash matches and occasionally yeah. you would get one good match on the show maybe once a month. However, once U68 came on, I mean, it was always top guy versus top guy, whether it was NWA, whether it was world-class UWF, you had the best guys going at it and that exposed us fans <laughs> to something different. And I remember going, WWF sucks. And that, that was when you could start like, to tell the great. difference in what McMahon's <laughs> company was selling versus what the other companies were offering. And when we would hear about the um, Black Saturday back in July of 1984 when McMahon basically bought out Georgia Championship Wrestling's TV time and just took their TV show and brought his WWF television taping stuff and put it on TBS, we can just imagine the size of, oh, Lord, what's going on with our show? So you can just imagine the, the culture shock of changing what was once a regional territorial a TV product, and then just up and changing what they were used to. That had to definitely rattle a lot of uh, cages. Yeah, I mean, it was, listen, it was, there's so much going on back then, and it's just, it's just not the same. It really isn't. It, it's, it's it, being honest, but um, if I could transition from that, because we have a lot to talk to, talk about rather. Um, I just wanted to talk about our station in general, the station that did allow us to broadcast. And if you guys remember at the beginning and how difficult it was just to get an audience 
being on 90.9. Sean, you can speak on this more. So can you, Triple C, um, just about the fact that how many watts we had and how few um, uh, areas we reached. Guys, please yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, that for a second. Well, I mean, you know, back then, you know, it, it was like you, you felt like you were just reaching about five blocks. You know, that, that's what it felt like. And, you know, the interesting thing is, like, some of our best work was – Pre-BCAT. Now, again, BCAT was a, 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 you know, in Brooklyn, the uh, Brooklyn Cable Access Television, where, you know, anybody that had it, you know, can, can you know, uh, listen. And back then, it, you know, the whole 10 watts, 15 watts, whatever it was, and it was just like, man, what could we do? Like, you know, what what type of thing could we do to to, to make our show where we, we knew? You know, it's one of those things, like, when you know you're you're producing like good show after good show when you feel sometimes you're producing great shows and it was just like what could we do and again our station manager you know he again he just wanted to do things i guess whatever the right way and we were trying to push the envelope it was like well well can we can we can can we can we uh like sell our show a little bit i mean can we can we you know uh go to this uh, uh whatever this remember uh the it was a pizza store a pizzeria and we, you know, I remember we we went over there and we started like you know, saying, "Hey, you know, the, 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 I forget I forget the the, the pizzeria uh, name, but I remember going to the guy and saying, like, listen, hey, we'll, we'll we'll shout you out, you know." And I remember we actually got free we actually got free food. We remember I got the stations of free. Oh yeah. Food. And <laughs> and but the thing is, is like we did not have you know enough audience. We did not have a a big audience. We did not have a big following until BCAT, but. Again, back then, again, sometimes it's like we we I w- we wish like you know there was the podcast. We wish there was a different outlet. But again, you know, at that time it was you know, it, it was tough. But again, we did what we had to do, and and I and I still back then enjoyed every single minute of doing that show. Oh yeah, and it it was it was really fun in the fact that we basically the way that it worked out to even to jump on your point, uh, we had such a weak frequency, which is kind of like our radio station. For those that don't know, it was similar to Manhattan Beach, which is out close to Coney Island. Um, when we would go and broadcast our show, Cablevision locally would have a couple of blank channels that would showcase local college radio on their channels as they were showing information about what's going on on uh, BCAT, et cetera, whoever showed, whatever. And then they would rotate every, I guess, two months or three months to a different show for a different time. And once we started to get that particular uh, radiation from that, we would, they would, some people would listen to our sports show and then Unfortunately, because of the time, they would cut the sports show off. Then there were other times when the sports show got cut off, but then they would hit a wrestling show. So now everybody was starting to call in, and it's like, you know what? This is really good. Why are they not on all the time? So what was happening is BCAT was getting an influx of calls, first at uh, at uh, this, the radio station we were at, but then they were starting to get calls from people that were calling BCAT wondering when we were going to be back on. And then that's when we started to get our audience up. And then that's when we started to do some really outrageous things that <laughs> actually worked towards getting the audience excited for the show. And that was where the real fun came in because we would sit down 
sometimes the whole week and brainstorm what we were going to do. So Chris would come in and figure out, okay, I got this idea. And then Triple C would figure out, so you know what, I can add this to this. And then I would come in and like, you know, do this. And it's like, okay, Sean, you got the voice, you do such and such and such. And then we would craft this whole thing. And it was almost as if we were running a wrestling promotion for a three hour sports show in the afternoon. And they ate it up. And we had so much fun doing that. I would say, I'm sorry, I would say the, the first thing that we did that was huge. And Triple C, you actually, I think, came out of pocket for this. And that was amazing that you did that. Yeah. And it was uh, trivia. You would do trivia and give away wrestling tapes. So you'd actually um, mail it to people. um, Chris, was I remember, like you said, when, when, when you came up with the trivia, I said, okay, no problem. I would buy, again, back then, the VHS tapes. And I would buy whatever whatever the newest tapes that they were they were you know were coming out. I would go I would go to the you know to the to the VHS store and I would buy these tapes and you know we'd have the trivia and I would mail it out and alongside mailing it out, I would personally write you know support us you know uh, we're on three to six every Saturday. Tell your friends, tell your mother, tell your father, tell the dog. I don't care. Tell everybody about our show. You know, and I remember. There was this one kid. I remember this one guy. He actually Dog. ended up uh, calling me uh, like after the show was, you know, was over, and he was like, "Listen, uh, he always wanted like the newer stuff, whatever the whatever the newest, uh, you know, whatever VHS tapes that was that was out in exchange." And I love that was back then before obviously WWE Network, you know, the old Saturday Night's Man events, uh, the old Clash of the Champions, uh, you know, the old Starcades, and all those things where I wanted to watch those things because I'm like, hey, I love wrestling, so I wanted to watch these things all over again. And he would, and and those things was like the original broadcast, obviously. And he had those things, and I was like, I wanted those things. So in exchange, (laughs) I would mail him the new stuff. He would mail me um, all all the old tapes and stuff like that, and and again, this is before Chris started, you know, uh, you know, coming to my house. And I remember me, me, you, Pete, Snake, would be at my house and we'd be watching like RF videos from like, like yes. Japan and then all these death matches and it was like insane stuff. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd come out of pocket, but I didn't care. We it was whatever was best for the show, whatever like you guys said could improve the show, make the show any better. Uh, you know, we never, it was never stale. I can honestly say that we never had a stale show or a stale time. Even as the business was getting hotter into the Attitude Era, but even with even with wrestling, you know, from the NWO, uh, NWO uh, and obviously the Attitude Era and all, you know, that, 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 that time, but our show, it was never just, okay, you know, well, this is what's going on in professional wrestling this weekend. <laughs> like, it was not just that. It was like, you know, what, however we could entertain. And I remember Chris would come out with these outlandish things. And I remember Chris had me, uh, of course, I love the people. Chris was like, I need you to turn on the people. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you want to turn on the people? And I was like, you know, and I was like, you know, uh, before John Cena and John Cena never turned heel, you know, after he became, you know, uh, after Thugonomics, but I turned. I don't remember. One Undertaker fan. I turned on him, and I remember his mother called me. His mother called me. I, I was like, my God, 
I'm like, it's working. These people, these people have bought in into what yes. we are doing. And I listen, I mean, you, you can never take that away from us. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I wanted to jump on that thought because um, it's funny. I was going to bring that up next just in terms of talking yes, about our characters, our show characters, how I eventually – I believe I was a heel the whole time. And you you turned. Now, the peeps, Nate was the face. And as time went on and as our popularity grew oh, – by the way, oh, another thing, oh. the fact that once we got on BCAT, the phone never stopped ringing. The phone calls would come in. I couldn't even guesstimate how many phone calls we received every Saturday <laughs> once we were on that, that additional network, which, by the way, and I'll get into network now, yes. is that we eventually turned our show into a storyline. And then when the Triple C turned heel, it was great because it eventually led to Mr. 4-1-1 against the Peeps Nate in the only match that ever happened on the air and now the funny thing about the matches if we can go to the backstory yes. we had another we had a couple people that worked behind the scenes we had we had mm -hmm. iron mike um and he was clutch he would come in with a lot of his inside information and now what was supposed to happen for this match by the way he was going to be the ring announcer excuse me he was going to be the play-by-play -play guy and for some reason due to his work schedule he could never get there so we kept postponing this match for weeks. And the fans were like, when are you guys going to finally do this match? So one Saturday, I was like, that's it. We got to do it. We, we just, we, we, we're milking this as much as we can. Yes. We're going to do the match. So we had another guy, one of his friends, who was named Powerbomb Mike. Not the strongest of voices, but we said, okay, we got to do this anyway. So we do the match. We have, it was, it was. now that's another thing. Of course, this was radio. There was no television, people. No television. So... As being the, the Booker man of the show, I was, like, I was like, how am I going to make this work where people aren't going to just dump all over this? So I thought the best way to do it would be where the, as soon as the bell rang, I would then go to the crowd and I would turn my back on my opponent. <laughs> and then, tr sure enough, Peeps Nage rolled me up for a schoolboy. One, and two, of course, it is three. the single greatest I put your ass in the over. of my career. And I retired undefeated. <laughs> and wait, that's the best part about it, though. Unlike Hogan with Warrior, I never demanded oh. a rematch. Although the funny part so about that was my win back. you hit I want my win back every now. week that you were looking to get that rematch, which was the great part about the whole thing. And you would lord it over me like it was dangerous, right, right. you know, like a sort of Democles. You know, you yeah, got to yeah. give me that rematch. One of these days. One of these days. It... Yes. That was so good. That's just what the show <laughs> became, though. And the fans loved it, right? I remember the phone playing. calls coming in. The Peeps Nage won the match. Uh, Everybody yeah, was excited. You know, you know uh, <laughs> some, of, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, I remember uh, one thing. I, I don't know if you guys will remember this, but as I begin to tell the story, maybe you guys will remember and I remember the, it had to be, I guess, either 99, 99 or 2000, one of those years. And the Mets were in the playoffs. And it was obviously in October. And I, you know, I was going to the game. And either I was going to the game or I, I, I just stayed home to watch the game. I don't remember which one it was. 
And I remember Chris comes up with this storyline saying, man, uh, the triple C got 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 knocked over by, by <laughs> or something like that. And I remember a caller calling in saying they checked the news to see. Good grief. And that is the magic of the wrestling fan, because even through the medium of radio, where you cannot be visual, you have to be so descriptive. The fact that they would fall for it hook, line, and sinker, because they were fans, they were into it, they get it. They were, they like you said, they bought in and they loved every single moment of it. The entire, the entirety of the product was. It was innovative because obviously nobody's doing that. And and a lot of the the podcasts that we hear today, we were the progenitors of, I feel. Because if we were on that, we were able to do what we did back then, today, oh, forget it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those, the things that we did back then, I mean, was, again, I always felt like it was, we was revolutionized, like, our, our industry, you know, again, not professional wrestling, but the, uh, the things that we did, I mean, was to me, again, amazing. And, and a lot of that stuff, you know, uh, Chris should take a pat on his back because he, he came up with a lot of the storylines, he came up with a lot of, yes. lot, lot of the, uh, the, the brains behind the show and things that, you know, he'd come up with. And I'm like, Chris, uh, and, I'm, and, and we, I remember we'd be like, not arguing, but we'd like, you know, have like this, this big conversation like, I'm like, Chris, this is, this is ridiculous. Like, this is, are, you, are you kidding me? And he's like, oh, come on, Pete. This, this, this is going to work. I said, okay, <laughs> fine. Let's, let, let, let's, let's go ahead. Let, let's do it. Whatever it was, it was working. And, and again, I, I loved every minute of it. Yes. And it goes, it, it, it goes to show you literally months yeah, it was, it was, after we did yeah, our sorry, final yeah. show. People were still calling up the radio station wondering when we were coming back as if it was some sort of a storyline. Because as we said before, wrestling fans get it. And they are much smarter than people give them credit for. And they figured, okay, this may, I guess this is just part of it. You know, they'll be back. And it called, called, and called. And it's like, well, maybe they are coming back. Who knows? This was months, like almost three or four months after we were done with the show. Right. People still calling up the radio station, wondering when we were coming back on. Right. Yeah, um, that's another thing I wanted to get into. Excuse me. I wanted to just talk about the fact that, and I want to, this is the sad part of the show, is at the beginning of the end, which is when we lost BCAT. And the reason we lost BCAT is because that's when the Brooklyn Cyclones first started. And we were on BCAT now every Saturday. Our audience was, was tremendous. Right. It was amazing. We loved every week. We, we were motivated to go in every Saturday and put on a great show because we knew the people wanted to hear it. And then all of a sudden, we started hearing rumblings about BCAT now broadcasting the Brooklyn Cyclone games. And then when that became a reality to us, and when we lost more than half of our audience being able to hear us, now granted, they still called in, but it was never the same. And I think collectively, we became disgruntled, we became fed up, we just became unmotivated. I wouldn't say unmotivated, but more so just 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 sad by the fact that we lost a lot of our audience. 
And as time continued to move on, um, let's just say the three of us started to say some things on the air we probably should not have said. And I don't mean profanity. We never, we never cursed. We never broke the FCC regulations and rules. We never did that. We did adhere to rules. However, once we started to badmouth the Brooklyn Cyclones and BCAT, then word got back to our station manager. And I guess there was the relationship there. Um, I, you know, um, and um, can you guys speak more on this? Because I don't remember the full details. I remember that um, Greg just called me, you know, at home and says, uh, don't come back. <laughs> like, not even, you know, not even, like, personal, like, you know, at least fire me, you know, uh, in person. No, he basically Eric Bischoff me, you know. So, <laughs> so basically fired me right there, you know, on the phone. And, you know, I, yeah. that hurt. You know, I'll be honest with you, that, that hurt. And, again, deservedly so, don't get me wrong. I mean, because obviously you got the Brooklyn Cyclones coming in. Obviously, they're going to pour whatever revenue they're going to pour in. Obviously, we cannot match nothing, you know, to them. But just the fact that, you know, the loyalty was like, hey, listen, I mean, I, us three, we never, we never put ourselves. That's the one thing I can honestly say. We never put ourselves above the station. You know, it was whatever we could do to get more people to listen. That was the whole point. I'm saying, and and that that was the one thing I remember. Greg and and some of the other professors would install in us saying, "Hey, listen, you know, you can say this, 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 but if you can have one person listen to you, well, you have to entertain that one person." What I always yes. felt like, hey, you know what? We were not just entertaining one person; we were entertaining uh, hundreds, possibly thousands of people. So uh, I just felt like, hey, you know, you could have at least, hey, look, you know what? Guys, you can go do one last show and you can say goodbyes. And that was the only thing that I regret that we were not able to say goodbye. You know, yeah. it was just like, you're canned, you're done, goodbye, it's over, and move on. And the ironic part about that one was when all of this had gone down, this was also one of those times when I wasn't in the station. So I, so to hear when you what happened, I remember you calling me. And it's like, well, uh, I got some news to tell you. It's like, oh, what happened? Uh, <laughs> show's done with. Show's done with. I, th I thought, like, well, taking a hiatus. No, show's over. We're done. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> so, and then I had the, the the conversation. I think it was like maybe a couple of days after you had your conversation, and it was explained what happened and that disappointed it was and everything else. And it's like, how do you end on a note like that? when you don't have the chance to, like you said, to have a series finale, to say your proper goodbyes to the audience based on all of the stuff that we invested in doing the show and doing the show the way we did. So that was probably a really a tough thing for all of us at that time. Right. Yeah, and I just wanted to talk about other things that we, we forgot to mention, actually, which in terms of the popularity of the show. And um, if you remember, we One ended up getting USA, advertising which was, somewhat, which was called an, underwriting was like amusement, from, what was the name of the like, place? Kind of like, a, Station like an USA indoor show, amusement park kind of uh, deal where it's kind of like a family get together. They have indoor rides, a little arcade, uh, that kind of thing. And we were, we were there a couple of times. And the one time that I remember 
was a time that the late Jimmy Snooker was there doing, I, I guess he was doing like a meet and greet and was having fans over. They were at, they were advertising and being there. I got to shake Snooker's hand with everybody. It was interesting. Those are the kinds of things that were, I guess, in the process of what the show could have been if we were able to further succeed in what we were doing. Yes. Yeah, but the point I was making is is that just in terms of the fact that people were paying money because of our show, just for and I remember doing the live commercial. I had it well not the live commercial, but I recorded a commercial with, with the triple mm-hmm. C and we would play that commercial every Saturday right. yeah. and they literally right. paid of for course, it. Yeah. That's how <laughs> they think about that. Like college radio, we were getting paid well, but the station was getting paid. We didn't receive a dime. <laughs> to be clear, we didn't get paid. The, the station, the school, Kingsburg yeah. Community College was making money off of our hard work, which was just incredible. Like, I didn't care about getting paid. It wasn't about <laughs> that. It was about in the, the achievement we created, which I'll be honest, did, did give me a bit of an ego. <laughs> I think yeah. we all developed a yes. bit of an ego right. over time when we walked <laughs> through the doors at that 90.9 WKRB. We like, here, we're here, roll down the carpet. Oh. <laughs> 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 but it was it was really sad. I remember when I got the phone call that we're fired and I was just devastated. And I mean, look, it, we, to be honest, I knew it was coming. I knew it was a matter of time. He wasn't going to just let us trash 90, uh, excuse me, the Brooklyn Cyclones, which they had a deal with because they did air the games on 90.9. And it was just, it was, it was time. And, and the, the yes. thing is when we talk about the business and how it's changed over the last 20 years, and I believe our last show was in 2001, I, I, if I remember correctly. And, I mean, look, there was still some good years post-2001, but when you think about how the business has, and, and I just talked about this on my previous show, just in terms of the audience, the overall attendance, the, the ratings, everything has been dwindling. Yeah. And now it's almost pathetic what kind of a crowd and audience the the and ratings has they have gone, today. It's just and we look at how really jaded it's become. I think it's part of it is because of Vince McMahon and his willingness to basically get rid of his competition. As we saw within that same roughly from the end of our show's run to going in further, we had Vince McMahon by WCW. We had later on as the years went on other competition being bought out. We had so many different things, different things change. Well, I'm sorry to yes, jump. I'm sorry. Yes, I was going to. I was going to bring that in. in You're forgetting one important one of the other huge part in the ECW business was the fact huge that ECW at, went that, under. And I think that's part of what uh, we can attribute. Part of the success of our show is that ECW was in its the beginning, the germination of its popularity, and because of you and your sources, you were able to have a lot of. Uh, interactions with some of the wrestlers involved. We went to a a funny story. I got to bring this up and uh, Triple C will back me up on this one. All three of us went to an ECW show in Staten Island. And (laughs) we were, we were going to see the show. We were going to all meet up and then we'll meet up with Chris and then we'll (laughs) head on over and get dropped off to watch the matches and then we come back home. It just so happened that this was, I believe, a July, it was a hot July or August day. And we got on the Staten Island Ferry in the middle of one of the most extreme thunderstorms we'd ever been around. Yeah. 
So we get on the the the, the ferry. Ferry starts to take off. Lightning hits <laughs> part of the. It hit part of the ferry. All you heard is crap, boom, boom. I'm sitting right next to the triple C. And him being the Undertaker fan that he is, while everybody on the ferry is like, oh, man, we just got, what happened to you? You can feel the ship rattling. The, the, the hull is vibrating. This guy is sitting down with his eyes rolled in the back of his head, chanting stuff about my darkness, the druids as the kingdom, the night shall come before me, and then I shall feel no pain as the Undertaker. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and he did this from the time the lightning struck to the time the ferry docked. And then, ironically, it stopped raining once it tried. I was like, you know what? This can only happen to us. <laughs> I, I remember that. And I can take that story to my grave knowing that that's probably one of the greatest memories that I have of all of the friendships that we've done and had of almost getting killed by lightning on the Staten Island Ferry, you know? Go figure. (laughs) The the, the, the funny thing about that that day, I remember when we we all met and we actually there, you know, Staten Island, I remember the Dudley Boys started the damn riot. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> the boys started a damn riot there. And I remember after the show was over, remember uh, yeah. somebody yeah. from ECW came over to us and they were like, God, they're going to give us 20 bucks if we put all, you know, if we pull up all the chairs. <laughs> was like, yes. Hey, we got nothing to do. Why not? <laughs> and that was an interesting show, too. <laughs> right. Well, do you guys. Hmm. Well, you guys remember the news that broke? Well, not broke, but remember, this was back in 97, 98, when it was difficult to get that information. But I remember because, like I said, I did have some sources inside of ECW. Do you remember the backstory and what happened with that? Or you want me to tell you? Okay. Well, the the, the riot that we we thought was real was actually set up. Those people that the Dudley wow. Boys got involved wow. with were from the Johnny Rock but School of Wrestling. The one thing that I do so we remember was is going that to jail, we, but had, it was all the work. we had aisle aisle seats from where we were sitting, where we could actually see the wrestlers come down the aisle. Three rows behind me, somebody, right. if you remember, um, I believe it was, was it Francine? Yeah, it was Francine that came down the aisle with um, Shane Douglas at one point. And one of the fans three rows behind me actually patted Francine on the butt as she was walking down the aisle. Now, I remember turning my back and hearing a whole lot of cursing. And then I saw security grab this guy and take him to the back. Now, since I was closer to that area, I also remember hearing that same fan probably getting his head handed to him by security (laughs) and then being kicked out of the building. And these are the kinds of war stories that you hear when you go to these kinds of shows. And the coolest part about this whole thing, to bring yeah, it full um, circle, is at the end of the show, we got a chance to interview Bill Alfonso, who was managing uh, Taz at the time. Oh. And yes, right down the middle, daddy, right there, baby. And he had the he had the stench right of down beer the middle, on daddy, his breath. Right down the middle. He was. But he gave us access. He talked to us for about 15 minutes, and we we felt like rock stars. So, hey. (laughs) 
Well, two things, two things from that night. One, uh, the triple C marked out completely when, because here's the thing back then we didn't really know the wrestlers real names, but then I started to discover online their real names. I kid you not people listening. There was a sign in the crowd that said Pete's inertia sucks. Yes. If you don't know, and we're like, what? Why would that guy bring that sign? Pete's inertia is Taz's. Yes, remember that. And we were done. Yeah. And then the second part of that, which was which was a nightmare for me, by the way, that summer I was working as a camp counselor on Staten Island with with kids ages what seven through ten or eleven, and we show up at the event, wow. and I look behind me, and the, <laughs> this was a nightmare for me. One of the kids was at the show. <laughs> you remember? One of the and 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 here's the best part about the story. The, he was there with his father, and the father had requested me that I give this kid special attention because he wasn't your typical athlete. And I'll be honest, as the summer went on, I basically paid this kid no mind. But for that particular oh, yeah. instance, when we were there at the show, I remember thinking, "Oh no!" Because at ECW shows, all we did is chant profanity. We would chant the worst things possible. And now I'm thinking, this kid is behind me. How can I possibly chant? And I think if I remember correctly, it took me two hours until Lance Wright, the ring announcer, got in the ring and I just said, fuck it. And I started chanting, you suck dick. Oh, you yes. suck dick. <laughs> and if you guys remember, oh, I started grief. the chant. Oh, wow. That seemed like almost yesterday. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Hey, speaking of ECW, you know, one thing about our show, you know, EC, uh, and w. bring that back a little bit is like, you know, just because we, you know, did a wrestling show, did music and stuff like that, we were able, thank courtesy of Chris, to interview Rob Van Dam. Oh, yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had a connection um, when I would get, no, by the way, that's still no, my biggest no, regret no. is I never got the two of you on that bus trip to going down the ECW right. arena. The two of you never got to see the mm. ECW arena in person. And that's my biggest regret because we would go down every month on bus trips and I went to CyberSlam 98 and I got to, in, I got to, um, well, I had a connection who did the, the person did the bus trips. And he said, yeah, because at the time, remember Rob Van Dam. Well, that actually fast forward. That was 2000 when we did the interview with Van Dam. But in 98, yes. I got to, no, it was 99, I think. We got to go down, and yeah, I got, remember I had all those station IDs to, cut, just like to tell Joel you that, Gertner uh, cut one the of the C and station I, IDs we used ever to work hear. as co-workers. I'm still trying to find that tape, by We the way. actually um, worked yeah. with Joel Gertner's mother, who at the time used to do real estate. So we have, we we were in it thick as far as that goes, so go figure, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yep. Mm. Yeah, so when um when well, when my friend at the time he connected RVD, he was broke his leg in 2000, I think it was, yeah. and he called us from California, and I think we did like a 40 minute interview. It was one of the best times uh, ever on that show to have that. And then going forward, a couple weeks later, uh, one of the biggest to this day, the biggest newsletter guys of all time, Dave Meltzer. Yeah. Also, yeah. I got a connection through him on the internet, and he called our show, and we did an interview with him. Two of our best interviews ever. It was great. 
So um, before we wrap things up, I just wanted to get you uh, your opinion on everything just in terms of this, because I already got to speak about it last week when it happened. It was really sad for me. So uh, Triple C, if you want to go first and just give me your thoughts on the passing of the great Howard Finkel. This business have heard will ever hear. Um, Obviously, you know, in life, you know, we all have to go. Um, but I tell you one thing, I mean, the think, I mean, I, you know, from watching him, uh, with WrestleMania one all the way till, uh, a couple of years, WrestleMania. And I remember, I even remember the one in the garden when he introduced CM Punk and remember that little, you know, you know, thought mm. that he had, but, um, again, uh, Howard Finkel to me, uh, he, he coined, yeah. uh, the phrase WrestleMania. Uh, it was his idea. To, to, to name that event WrestleMania. Um, he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, to me, the greatest ring announcer uh, this wrestling industry has ever heard, will ever know. Uh, and you hear a lot of great things about him. Uh, I watched him, obviously, uh, with, the, with the living, with the Legends House, you know, that happened about uh, 10, 15 years ago with Piper and Tony Atlas and uh, um, I think Mean Gene, Brett, um, not Brett, Jimmy Hart. Um, but Overall, I mean, it's a sad, you know, sad time to know that uh, the very first uh, employee the World Wrestling Federation ever uh, had was uh, the Fink. And um, again, um, it's, a, it's a very sad thing, you know, to know that, uh, you know, that he has passed, but hopefully he's not suffering no more. And um, obviously we wish him well in the next life. Oh, yeah. I, I can tell you he's probably announcing a whole bunch of pay-per-views in heaven right about now. Um, <clears throat> I can tell you this it's right rich. now, as I said before, I dated myself. I've listened, I've, I've listened to so many different ring announcers from Dr. Tom Miller to Gary Michael Capetta. Um, even Tony Schiavone did ring announcing and Lance Russell and on and on and on and on. But I have to say, when it came to a big-time WWF main event, pay-per-view of WrestleMania, you knew when Fink was, was really about to go ahead and announce who was going to be in the match. As we, we, we talked about this before with this big fight feel, you knew the chips were on the table. The match was going to be big. Even if he called, he could have called the gobbledygooker versus Lasertron. And he would have made that sound like it was the most important match on the card. His voice, the tonality, the way he brought attention to the match, it felt important. It felt big. It felt bombastic. And to hear the love of announcing in his voice when he would bring forward what he was going to say that is definitely going to be missed. And he, without a doubt, the single best ring announcer that any this industry has ever heard or ever will hear. And the fact that, that when you hear and new trend on Twitter, he's partially the reason why. Matter of fact, right. he is the reason and why. It, it, Yeah, it's sad to think that 
he wasn't really around the business. That, I mean, not around the business, but just in terms of being on yeah. television, Vince pulled him off a of TV really early in his life. I mean, he was he died at 69 and he was essentially off of television by 2002. So he that was 52 years old when he was pulled off of television. He yeah. wasn't old. I mean, I just to think about some of the ring announcers yeah. we've endured well, over the years who don't I mean, very certain people that have now are good but, always, as I mean, I said before, nothing against Lillian Garcia but she was no I Howard Finkel <laughs> outside of Finkel right. there was Tom Miller and then Gary Michael Capetta but oh man I, I the, it's ring announcing is a science to a great degree and you, know, you have to have it you know it's funny <laughs> uh, you know as, as I think about uh, before we you know get to you Chris the, the one thing I was like, is I'm thinking about is like, yeah. besides Fink, does anybody say uh, the following contest is scheduled for one fall? Does <laughs> anybody ever say that? <laughs> Come to think about it. No, I don't, I don't hear that. Yeah. You'll hear variations of it, but you won't hear <laughs> that and you won't right, hear right, it right. like that. Right. Nah. The delivery. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. and you mentioned yes. his appearance at MSG with CM Punk and the pop he received, and they chanted his name. This was in 2012. Yep. Oh, that was wow. so amazing. I've seen those too. And I know people in which he's done weddings for. He's actually appeared at weddings and did the whole thing. It was amazing. Yeah, well, um, listen, guys, this has been tremendous to get this band back together again. And listen, I, 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 who knows what the future holds is what I'll say. We don't know. Perhaps we can bring this show back in certain level, certain degree, where we could still talk about more. Like in another show, perhaps we could talk mm. about more that's happened in the past 20 years. We can even shed some light on the current business. Um, maybe there's something in the future there. I don't know. We'll see. But um, and and we can still talk about the past of the other show too. There are certain things of the show we didn't <laughs> oh, even yes. have to discuss. Like <laughs> the amazing part is my favorite, on certain Saturdays we would have special <laughs> guests. In fact, yeah. wrestlers on the air with us, if you remember. <laughs> That's the inside thing. Who knows? Do the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Terry? <laughs> Dusty roll. <laughs> wait, wait. Terry's here right now. Roll around Dusty in this roll. dirty dirt. You're a piece of crap, you egg sucking dog. <laughs> oh, those are the days. Right, right, right. <laughs> Oh man, that's good. So listen, fellas, this was great. We'll we'll try to do this again sometime for uh for the triple C and the pleasure the was all yours. I'm Mr. Four and One. You've been listening to Saturday afternoon's main events. We'll see you when we see you. Take care, everybody. God bless. <laughs>